Welcome to Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. I am your host, Demo. My co-host is Joe Taylor. This is episode 63. Welcome back, Demo. Good seeing you as always, Joe. Yeah. Now, I want to say a quick I told you so, but it's really a we told you so. Yes, I know where you're going, and this is a we told you so. Now, one of my favorite shows in the last two years, this actually came out in May of 2018, a little over two years, I guess, Cobra Kai. An extension of the Karate Kid franchise featuring Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso. Loyal listeners would know we've been plugging this show every chance we get. Since it was on YouTube Red, which as far as we know, what, doesn't exist anymore? I don't know. We don't know. But now, guess where it is? Netflix. So everyone has been watching it. It's number one in the freaking country. Everyone is watching it. You go on any social media, everyone's got an opinion about it. Yeah, They it, love it. They hate it. Uh, someone told me it was hot garbage. Another person told me they thought it was an absolute masterpiece of pop culture. It's all over the place. I think the writing is absolutely fantastic. The storylines are great. The kids are great. Everyone in it is so cool. It normalizes some fringe people, which is like kind of woke, you know, so it should get points for that. It's just good all around. It's a fun show. If you want something fun to watch, not going to require a lot, And, you know, if you grew up in the 80s, how can you not watch this? Yeah. And everybody is. Everybody is watching it now, which just goes to show when it was on YouTube, no one was watching it, right? Right. We we told people about, like, how do I, how, what, how, you know? And now it's on Netflix and it, like, autoplays. It's number one in the country as of this recording. Right. There you go. We told you so. We get things right once in a while. Every once in a while. So, America, congratulations. We told you a year and a half ago, Cobra Kai, and now we're glad. We're glad everyone's getting to see it. Yeah. Uh, Something we're even more excited about, I think, or at least I am. One of my favorite shows, this is a Netflix docuseries called Last Chance You. Yes. It's about junior college football. Now, they've uh, taken a few different schools and done a season or two on each of them. This last season, season five, came out a couple months ago at the time we're recording this, and uh, it's fantastic. It takes place at Laney College in Oakland. We're going to post the trailer on our Facebook page, and I dare you to watch the trailer and not immediately start watching the show. It's absolutely fantastic. I watched it. Yeah. Now, I want to preface, not only am I watching this, I'm watching Hard Knocks on HBO, and I started watching Friday Night Lights. All at once. All at once. It's <laughs> a lot. So things sort of like, you know, osmosify together. Uh, that's not a word. And I really don't know. I mean, I can't tell what's fiction and what's real. I know one's, you know, high school, fictional. The other one's junior college and then the NFL. But football is football and the drama is bleeding over and everything. So I'm having trouble keeping everything straight. Do you watch it with your girlfriend so she can explain the rules to you? Yeah, she explains okay. <laughs> me what a blitz is, you know. Third down conversion, what? I know nothing, right? So thank God my girlfriend's there to help me out. Okay. There's similar themes in all three of them. I Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's some incredible storylines in this fifth season of Last Chance You. Again, it's on Netflix. And guess who we have calling in, Nemo? I know you already know. I know who it is. On the phone, we have Dior Scott. Yes! 
from Laney College, one of the breakout stars of Last Chance U. Dior, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. I am blessed. Um, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I know there's been <laughs> a lot going on with me trying to get this interview, but I'm really thankful you guys reached out to me and kept in contact with me, so I'm really blessed to be here. So thank you guys. Hey, yeah. when we watched the show, we're like, who can we get? And we were like, we got to get Dior if we can. Because, I mean, <laughs> like, you're the baller, man. I mean, who else is a wide receiver and part-time QB? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Oh, uh, really? Hey, like, I feel like you know, everybody was doing that thing. Like, RJ, Ray, Drew, up the line, Ryan, when Ryan came back, I feel like everybody was, like, doing their job. We could have had a better season, but, like, the quarterback situation, and we couldn't execute, we couldn't execute the right amount of plays at the right time. So it was a lot going on. But I feel like the group of guys we had were all amazing. Yeah, for sure. And we have some football questions for you, definitely. But first, real quick, tell, tell us what it was like. I mean, they followed you in and out of practice. They followed you in your personal life. What was that like being tracked around, and, and how long did that last for? So at first, uh, at first it was um, weird because I wasn't used to having cameras on me everywhere I go from when I wake up to when I go to sleep. And it was first that it was scary at first because I was scared for, for like the world to know about me living in my car, uh, the situation with my father. It was, it was really nerve wracking. But then as the season went on, it was it felt more comfortable, and more easy. So it was more like a family instead of just a camera crew. Now, do you feel like you got an honest portrayal of your life when you can look back at the show? Do you feel like you know? Yep, this is a good representation of you. Yes, that is a. 100% reputation of me uh, because, that, like I said, that was my authentic self. I wasn't showing out for nobody. Uh, we wasn't showing out, so the camera crew did a really good job. Not just me only, but everybody really portraying how they really are. So have you talked to the other players and their uh, opinions on how the show turned out? Did you guys converse? Oh, yeah. We, we talked about it uh we talk about it every once in a while, but uh, yeah, we talk about it just just seeing ourselves and how we reacted to us to things then and things now. We like, oh wow, like I wish that could have different or stuff like that. But it's really like that's just how we are, and for us to see how we are, that really that opened our eyes more, and I think that helped us become better people and help us grow. That's great. So we loved the show. Now, some of the interesting storylines were when the first three quarterbacks went down, you got moved from wide receiver to quarterback and you went out and put up 60 freaking points. Um, what, what was your initial reaction when they moved you over? My initial reaction was uh, I was really nervous because when I when they first introduced him quarterback again, uh, I was just thinking about high school, like how bad that high school uh I regular like high school, so I was like, man, like, what about this could be high school over again? And stuff like that. I wasn't even worried about the recruitment wise. I was just trying to worry about how to win games and really have what can I do to um with uh win games for the team. So that was my first reaction and then a couple of days in practice they just felt comfortable and just know that we had the confidence to really go out there and win that game and once we hit up that 60 points on the game, I, once we hit the 60 points, I was more confident myself and my team because we know we can do this now. We, we can get rolling. So 
that was really a major confidence boost in the whole in the whole team. Yeah, well, it, it was an incredible performance, and like you said, I mean, your whole team, everyone stepped up so much. So many great storylines in the series. And yeah, stuff. it's amazing the drama. I mean, when when they'd get to the end, we'd get to the end of an episode, and there'd be a game. I mean. I was so invested in whether you guys were going to win. Yeah. I was rooting for you like I've been following you my whole life. You know, I'm like, I'm like the Eagles have got to win this one. You know, it's incredible. Right. For me, the, the big game, the one that I'm not going to lie, brought a tear to my eye was uh, the game against San Francisco City. And you converted on that fourth down to get the first down to win the game. That play was amazing. I couldn't, I mean, I can't, like I said, it was, I just loved watching you play. I love watching the whole team. I didn't think I was going to become so invested like I did. So hats off to you and Coach Beam for really, really bringing it. Thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah, that game was personal because there's always a big rival between us and City, and we know um, other teams saw it as a weak link, so they thought they were going to push us over. So for us to come and have that huge victory, as a team, uh, that was a huge moment for us. But I felt like that gave us more drive to finish the season. So City was a big game, and for us to win off like that, and that, that's just a great feeling as a team. Yeah, that was awesome, man. Um, tell us what you're doing now, because obviously college football is a little bit up in the air, but last we heard you were a preferred walk-on at Hawaii. Is that still what's going on? Yes, that still is going on. Um Preferred walk-on, really with the coronavirus and the shutdown of our season, it has deterred me, but it has really affected my mental because I know it's just another nervous adversity stepping stone. So I know God has my back, so I'm not really concerned. So I know the Lord has me, and keep faith in Him. He's going to help me every step of my life. So right now I'm going to just keep uh, working out, keep grinding, and we're going to see uh, what happens. But Really, just every day, keep working out, keep grinding, uh, have a strong mental health, and really just be ready for when I'm number to call for the season, um, I'm ready. Amen to that. Now, question, do you think the show is going to help you? Like, you get that exposure that maybe some other player doesn't. Do you think it's a positive for your chances? Um, Yes, the show has helped, but I have been working my show all ever since I landed in Hawaii, and the coach has seen that. So, really, I think just based on my work ethic and based on what I've been doing now, that should help me instead of instead of me using last year you as a as a chance to get my, my scholarship because if that happens, I won't feel like I accomplished that scholarship myself. I feel like I need to help. And I feel like I need to help with that, and that's what I really don't want to happen. I don't want people to think, oh, just because he's a last chance you, he got the scholarship, where – I've been working day in and day out to get my scholarship. How are you keeping up? I mean, it's, it's got to be disappointing or frustrating to not be able to play. And I'm sure, you know, your teammates or these other guys that are walk-ons and stuff are, are really bummed out. What are you doing to like keep your mental health up and helping other people? I mean, what's what's keeping you grounded right now? Uh, really just keep my mental health game strong. Is really um, talk to my mom. She's been in my corner Man, uh, for years now, um, me and her relationship is really, really close and personal, uh, and really a, a, a relationship with God. I'm not just getting on my knees every day and praying. Just, no, just really talk to God and really, 
read the word, like read the word a day, every day. That's what I do, bitch. I go, I have a Bible app. I have notifications on my phone so I can stop anything I'm doing and just read the word a day. Just really help me get my mind really focused on God for at least five to ten minutes. And that's all you ask for. So that's what I do with how I get my mental game strong. And really what I try to do is help other people out just I know I've been getting a lot of DMs and stuff like that about people and how they mental health and how I became such of an advocate for mental health where I try to reiterate, I'm just a 20-year-old kid. There's trying to end me. So for people to see me as that such of a leader and to have that much of an impact, I'm truly grateful and I'm going to keep trying to help people as much as I can. So if I can say a few words to help that, to help that person out go through life, that's all you can do. And I also feel real grateful. So I think that's what I'm doing right now to help keep my member game health strong through these times. Good, man. We're, we're happy to hear that. And we're pulling for you. Um, your story is so inspirational and talk about like doing whatever it takes and grit and resilience, man. I think if you Google resilience, you're the first thing that comes up. It's gotta be, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. And I can't believe when you say you're 20, I'm shocked. You're so mature. I didn't even know how old you were really. And you, I'm like 20. Oh my God. Like you are mature beyond your years, man. And I say that is the biggest compliment truly. Thank you. Like people, people do be shocked when they hear I'm just twenty. It's just I, I do have a childish, so happy mindset, but that's just how my mindset. That's just how I am. Just I'm always trying to be positive, always trying to laugh. But when it comes to be mature, it comes to really show my age. Hey, so a question for you. You know, the the show follows some of your struggles, and you've obviously made a lot of sacrifices to go to school and to play football and stuff. What was the hardest thing? that you faced what was there anything that like was was almost too much i mean what was what was the toughest part of that whole timeline with you the toughest thing for me back in juco was really my mental health to be honest uh just really just getting in my head every day saying you're not good enough for you're not good enough to go to any college uh i seen like a whole bunch of other players from my league and around the nation having so much exposure where i'm not getting the exposure where i want and I get I downplay myself saying I'm not good enough. That was the biggest downfall for me back in JUCO. So I don't know, just out of this one day, it was just I told myself to pick myself up and really, really know that you are the best player. You are the best player that, that can ever be. And I had that mindset where it wasn't just me being constantly saying, "Oh, I'm the best of best." It was just me having that confidence in myself to push me through JUCO. Well, you inspire me, man. I'm old enough to be your father. I hate to admit it, okay? I hate to admit it. I learned from you. The type of person, the integrity that you have, it was inspiring to me. You know? Yeah, I hope you realize, man, how many people are going to see this show and how many people are going to get through stuff that they might not have had that kind of encouragement at home and they, maybe they got it from watching you and watching the show. You know, that's it's such a huge thing. I never thought I would have this impact in life. Uh Looking at it now, going to high school, like I would never even think this would happen to me. So really, every day I wake up and see what I've done for the world is is truly the blessing. Now, Dior, I have a very serious question I want to ask you here, and I want you to be as honest as you can with us. Okay. When it's one-on-one with you and you're in the office with Coach Beam, did you ever just want to go, Coach, just, just give me some scissors and just let me trim that mustache <laughs> A little bit. Just just get a, a couple of hairs. Just a couple. 
You know, I mean, oh my God, man. Does anybody on the team go like, hey man, that mustache, you know? <laughs> no, that is the signature mustache. Dean, I've seen old pictures of Dean and Dean had that mustache. If Dean don't have that mustache, then something's going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> How is your relationship with Beam? You still stay in touch? Oh, no, we're still, we still stay in touch. He's helped me out actually a lot in Hawaii. Um, he has a whole bunch of connections there, and he's really set me up where I can be in a good headspace and a good place in Hawaii. Excellent. So, yeah, me and Dean's relationship is super close. He, we still have contact each other to see what's going on with each other and how everything's going now. Um, I really appreciate what Coach Dean did for my life, and I'll always respect him as a coach. He's really like a father figure. That's what he, that's what he was to me in, in my time of need. He's a father figure to everybody. I mean, that guy, that's a coach. Yeah. You know, that's not that's not just a football coach. He's a life coach. He's an everything. Like, you just want to be around that guy, you know? So right. I'm not surprised to hear that you're still in touch and how supportive he is. No, yeah. He's, he's really everything. And for what he did for the city of Oakland is truly remarkable. And I think it's really unheard of, to be honest. Uh, he really is a godfather of of open football and I think he knows that and he really he, he wears that pride and that's what I love because I know he'll never get to open he'll never he never turned down Oakland and he loves city he loves everybody in it so for him to be that person and for me to even be that that small piece of legacy in him um, that truly is amazing to me well, hey, listen, man, we we appreciate you so much, and you know the fact that you let that show kind of dig so deep into your personal story. Um, again, I, I don't know if you even realize what the impact that has on strangers and probably uh, you know millions of people. So we respect that and appreciate it so much, man. Before we wrap it up, though, I just want to know NFL is starting. Who is your team? Who do you who do you follow? The Saints, New Orleans Saints. Oh, right on. Interesting. So, were you a, a, a been a Saints fan your whole life then? Uh, for the majority of my life. I think once I found out that my mama, she was from uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's, that's going to be my team now just because she's from New Orleans. And I think when uh, the Saints won the Super Bowl, I think that's when I started liking them more. They're a hard team to not like. I mean, yeah. you know, Drew Brees and that whole franchise, they're hard not to not to like, even if you're not a fan. I, I think they're fun to watch, so we get it. Well, we appreciate your time, man. Um, is there anything, do you want people to follow you on Twitter or Instagram or anything that you want to, like, plug? Yes. Uh, follow me at Twitter and IG at d one Jorno underscore Portuguese. It's pretty hard, but... It, it, stay, it says DeJono Fortis. Uh, and really, I want everybody to uh, have that straight on mentality. Really go out of life and really attack life like there's no tomorrow. And really have that positive vibe. So, if people would love to know more about my brand, Stray Dog, is you can follow me at Twitter and IG at DeJono Fortis. Okay, and we'll, we'll tweet that out and uh, repost all this stuff uh, when the episode comes out. And... Um... We just really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Dior Scott, thank you so much for being on Binge or Purge. This has been a great interview, and we appreciate the time you took to join us today. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Thanks, man. Take it easy, bud. Last Chance You on Netflix right now. 
major binge for both of us. I think my biggest binge of the year so far. All right, let's do a review. Okay, let's get into it. I have a new documentary on HBO Max called Class Action Park. It's one hour and 30 minutes, and it is about Action Park, this amusement park, water park in New Jersey that was like big in the late 70s and the early 80s. Well, pretty much all the 80s. It's about having fun in the 80s is what it's about. Yes. But go ahead. The lawlessness of the 80s. Yeah. There's a bunch of talking heads in it. The people that worked at the park as teenagers, they've all grown up now, or the people that went to the park. The one they talk to the most is Chris Gethard. Yeah, now he's like a UCB or Groundlings guy or he's something. A, he's a comedian. He was in Don't Think Twice, uh, which was a fantastic uh, movie about improv. He's okay. in a lot of stuff. Yeah, and he's really good in this. He talks about what it was like growing up as a kid going to Action Park in New Jersey. So yeah. he has a good uh, perspective on it. And he, he also, he's little. Been, yeah. So he's sort of like my surrogate in a sense. <laughs> Like, I figure, like, you know, if he survived, maybe I would have survived. Yeah. Because that place looked like a nightmare. Now, it, let's, get, let's explain what it is. Okay. Action Park was this amusement park built in uh, 1978 that was a free-for-all. It's like the opposite of Disneyland. It had, like, these rides that were built by no one with an engineering degree. They were built by marketing people. Yeah, built right. by one guy, really, who was like, this should be cool, right? <laughs> Isn't it, wasn't it the whole thing of like, this would be crazy. Yeah. Let's build this ride. Right. Start, starting off with, of course, the cannonball loop, right. which, which is an actual water slide that goes around in a circle. It's just a tube that wraps around like a barrel roll. People got stuck in it constantly. Because it wasn't designed right. No. You know, no one put any thought into these other than like, yeah. No physics uh, no, research. No, nothing. And then there were a couple other really dangerous ones, the kayak experience, the Colorado River, and uh, the wave pool, which they nicknamed... The, the death pool? The grave pool. The grave pool. Yeah. Thank you. Because at least two people died in the w- wave pool. Because it was run by teenagers. Right. There were no adults running this thing, at least from what the documentary portrayed. Except the main guy, Gene Mulville Hill? Melville Hill? I don't know. Mulville Hill, like Mulville uh, Hill. Chinatown. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he's like a total shyster. Just a wild man who like put some money into this. He bought a ski lodge, right? Yeah. And then he destroyed that and goes, let's put this crazy park in there. Yeah. And half of it was water park. Half of it was Autotopia or whatever it's called at Disneyland. Go-karts and stuff. Yeah. And bumper boats and things that you drive. So people would get drunk in the pools, then go over and drive vehicles. So that's number one, why it was so fun. That sounds like a blast, but also yeah. why did we ever figure out how many people died at that place? It had to have been half a dozen during its time, but tell them about the ambulance thing. Right. Well, they, they were getting ambulances from the town and they were so overrun by having to pick up people and take them to the hospital that the park had to get their own two ambulances just for themselves. Because they were always taking someone to the hospital. Yeah. Cause the place wasn't safe. And like I said, I watched this knowing like, as a kid, I would see these ads, right? Action Park. And I so wanted to go there, but it was in New Jersey. I live nowhere near it. I'm glad I never did. Because I know me, I would have been seriously injured. Oh, like, yeah. I broke for my sure. collarbone twice. And this doc just talks about, you know, all the collarbones that get broken there. And I'm like, yeah, that would have been me, been beaten up by a bully in line, right? 
Right. And then get hurt on the actual ride itself. So I would have gotten my ass kicked twice. A total of six people died on premises, by the oh. way. One of the rides was like, uh, I mean, you just, you know that you're going to die when you go on it. It was the concrete luge that wasn't designed right. So if you weighed not enough or if you weighed too much, you're going over the side. And there wasn't like grass on the side. There was rocks, yeah. which is how one guy died. The, uh, what was that one called? Alpine Slide. That's the one that I wanted to ride when I was little. That's the ride in the commercial that I was like, oh my God, that's what I would totally do, right? The one that's the complete death trap. That was the most dangerous one on there. But even people who didn't die uh, lost skin and got banged up and bruised up and broke limbs. So God only knows how many people just got hurt and were too drunk or too young to care. Right. Today, forget it. There's no way you could have this park open. No, no way. Nope. But back in the 70s and 80s, it was a free-for-all, which is when we grew up. Well, it's when I grew up. Yeah, you're a little bit ahead of me, but uh, Johnny Knoxville from Jackass talks about it like the greatest place ever, so that sort of sums it up if you still don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it sort of is the precursor for everything you would do on Jackass. You know, it's like the Jackass starter kit. Oh, you got to go to Action Park first, ride every ride, then you can be on the show. Right. That's the gist of the park and the subject, but... The documentary itself, what did you think about the, the film? It starts out really funny, you know, because it's like it's a wild ride, all the, the chaos involved. And then you get to the people that died and how tragic it was. And it's a total downer. It didn't have much of a message or a tone. It just started out one way and ended another way. Yeah. I mean, it's OK if you want to go back and see what the deal was with this park. Cool, but I don't think it's in any way like a well-made documentary that like everyone should watch. Okay, so as documentaries go, we always talk about there's stuff that even if you don't care about the subject, it's a good documentary. I didn't feel that about this. I think you had to have some nostalgia for the 80s or being wild and the, the jackass TV show type of stuff or grow up in New Jersey or New York. It's, for me, it's a very light purge. I was going to say it's a light binge only because I like the subject matter. But like you said, as a documentary goes, it's just kind of meh. Yeah, and here's what I think pushes it into Purge for me, is that HBO Max touted this as like one of their first documentary presentations. And it's like, that's where you're going to start. I know. But guess what? It's the most watched thing on HBO Max. Well, yeah. For now. But what else is on HBO Max that's new? Exactly. So, right. I don't know. Anyway, Class Action Park streaming now on HBO Max. You know what? I'm going to say Purge. Okay, Demo. Brand new Netflix original movie. I didn't really hear about it till it popped up, and I was excited for it. This stars Jesse Plemons and a brand new actress, to me anyway, named Jesse Buckley. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, mm-hmm. written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. Now, you know Charlie Kaufman's work, right? Of course. What are, what are some of your favorite Charlie Kaufman movies? Well, I don't know if they're my favorite, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, if okay, if you're going to say favorite, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. The Jim Carrey movie. Yes. Yeah. Easily his best movie. Better than Being John Malkovich? Yes. Okay. Being John Malkovich would come up second. Then I guess you'd go with Adaptation. And uh, then he's, you know, written Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. You saw that, the movie that George Clooney directed. And then he's got this one that I cannot pronounce, Joe. Please try. (sighs) All right. Sin. I want to say Schenectady, but it's not it. It's like Sin. Sinadec. 
something New York. I, I have no concept of how to say this. I would go with Synodoke, New York, because it sounds like the name of a town. And right. oh, you're from New York, don't you? Have you never heard of that town? There's Schenectady, New York, and I see that. I think Schenectady, but that's clearly not it. It's Synecdoche. Why are you naming your movie something I can't say? Yeah. It's stupid. Well, I have a different um, issue with his movie titles. Um, Adaptation, which was a good movie with Nicolas Cage, uh, where he plays a screenwriter. And the movie, like most of Charlie Kaufman's movies, are just about how smart smart he is. Yeah. Anyway, Adaptation, there's a period at the end of the title. Uh, Why? I don't know. It doesn't seem like proper grammar or anything. It just seems... Like a stunt. But did you know that he also wrote on eight episodes, all eight episodes of the Dana Carvey show? No. Yeah. Really? Yes. We reviewed that. We didn't even mention that. We reviewed the documentary about the Dana Carvey show. I don't remember him being mentioned in the documentary. He was not because I would have been like, really? Like I just was a second ago. Yeah. Well, it was a long time ago, so maybe no one knew who he was or cared who he was. But Oh, they did. He's been around a long time. I mean, I wouldn't exactly say he's prolific. But when he comes out with something, everyone takes notice. And yeah. this is a huge example. But why? Why do they take notice? Because it's usually not that good and most people don't understand it. I have no idea. All I know is this is a perfect example of a movie that I'm like, oh yeah, sounds interesting. And it's nothing but a frustrating, painful nightmare. Yeah, it is. And I read an interview with, with Jesse Plemons. Let's talk about the actors real quick. Jesse Plemons. Landry from Friday Night Lights, which we both love, and we're going to talk about that uh, in the future. Don't forget Todd from Breaking Bad. And Todd from Breaking Bad, and one of the best episodes ever of Black Mirror. Yes. The captain that had all the little uh, subjects. The USS Callister. And then this this girl, Jessie Buckley, who I had not seen before, but she was in Fargo. She's going to be in oh, Fargo. Oh, she's going to be in Fargo. She's going to be in season four. Okay, and Jesse Plemons was in Fargo at one point, which is where he met his wife, Kirsten Dunst. I didn't know that either until we started. I didn't know that, Joe. Okay. I did know. Anyway, Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley. But don't forget Tony Collette. Tony Collette's in it. She's the mom. And David. Ah, this guy. I can never get his name right either. Synecdoche. Thulis. It's David Thulis. I don't, I don't know, man. I, you know what? I just wish there was someone that just told me how to pronounce people's names properly. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what I'm here for, Demo. Okay, so there's basically four and a half characters in this movie. But there's some weird cameos, too. Uh, Oliver Platt makes an... Well, he doesn't even make an appearance. He does some voiceover stuff. Jason Ralph from The Magicians. Uh, just, there's some weird, like little things. I think people just wanted to be part of this project because it was Charlie Kaufman, but, uh, he, in my opinion is a Britney Spears concert, which is, you're going to find everything except for music. I mean, this is like all sizzle, no steak. The story doesn't have any, it, it, he was asked, okay. When I was saying, I read an interview with Jesse Plemons. He said he asked, um, Charlie Kaufman what the movie was really about to him and he said honestly i don't know so that's what you're getting when you watch this thing i read somewhere this they're saying like kaufman's just trolling the audience here right yeah and my thing is like is that your objective with a movie to troll your audience he's like borat for the npr crowd (laughs) (laughs) that's good i will give this movie credit for two things first of all even though it was painful to sit through 
and I did it. Me and my girlfriend were like, we're going to get through this thing. We watched two movies over the weekend, okay? We watched this and Bumblebee. Here's the thing. I forgot that I had watched Bumblebee, but I did not forget I watched this because it was so frustrating and enraging to me. Like, it stuck in my brain all week. Yeah. And I don't want it to be. I want it to go away. I want someone to eternal sunshine, the spotless mind, this movie. Yeah. This thing never commits to the rules of its own universe, which, as you know, drives me through the freaking ceiling. Right. Also, the other thing I want to defend, it really captured driving in the snow. <laughs> okay. I grew up in upstate New York in that kind of weather. And I know they're in a studio doing this because there's no other way you can shoot this stuff without being in a studio. The DP and the effects people did a fantastic job making you believe they are literally driving through the snow. I've never seen more realistic portrayal of it. It's okay. really great. That's an interesting pro. I'll give you a con. It's two hours and 14 minutes long. And oh, it's, it's way too and long. And it's just the two people in the car, and then there's like a dinner scene. Hey, and that's about it. I should have bailed when she started reciting that long poem. Yeah. The whole thing is it's like a highlights magazine where it's like, what's wrong with this picture? Yes. You spend the whole time going like, her sweater is a different color. His hair has changed. That bookcase has moved. You know yeah. what I mean? There's it's like a lot the, of stuff like it's that. It's literally the highlights magazine. Yeah. Right? And it's super frustrating. And I've said frustrated. I'm frustrated that I keep saying frustrating, but that's mm -hmm. what it is. Now, I went online and did a bunch of like looking at tr people trying to explain it. There right. were a couple explanations that were like, okay, that's, I guess, sort of an interesting choice, but yes. still just frustrating and confusing. Okay. Listener Michael, he recommended this movie before I even heard about it. He goes, oh, you got to watch this. It's really interesting. And then I, he explained to me, and I go, how did you figure that out? He goes, oh, well, I looked it up afterwards. And I said, aha. Yeah. <laughs> aha. I said, the movie is a failure if you have to do research about it afterwards. To find out what it was about. Right? You can figure out what the movie's about and then go back and look at it. Do you know what I mean? And go, oh, okay, I get it, right? But the problem is it's so boring to begin with, you wouldn't want to do that to yourself. No. You know what I mean? Is, it's not like The Sixth Sense at the end where you I find out about Bruce Willis. That. And you go, oh, my God, he was a ghost. And then you go back because the movie is entertaining within itself. Yeah. This is a root canal. Yeah, this isn't, I was just going to say, it's not like at the twist at the end, now it all makes sense. It's still like, well, wait, even that doesn't explain it. It's just weird. It's too long. It's based on a book by Ian Reed, spelled I-A-I-N. So, I mean, right away, just source materials, author's name spelling alone, I'm kind of out. Do you know how esoteric this movie <laughs> is, though? Okay, so they're in his, in his bedroom, his childhood bedroom, and there's a shot that holds on his bookcase. And on yeah. it is a uh, a book by Pauline Kael, the great film critic from the 70s. Right. I'm sure you've read all her work. I know who it is. Right. So on the second trip home when they're leaving, you know, the second car ride, I should say, and she starts talking about that movie, the John Cassavetes movie, uh, A Woman Under the Influence. Okay. And I noticed this at the time. She's just reciting... Pauline Kael's review of the movie word for word from that book. Why? That's pretty intense uh, level of Easter egg hunting you're doing now. Yeah, and that came to me while I watched it. That's the one thing I noticed. I mean, I even paused it and I was like, wait a minute. She's just reciting a review. What? Yeah. I just, that's like I'm saying, that's the whole thing. It's a whole mind. What is the point of it? I don't know. 
All I know is there seems to be a breakdown on social media of like, it's like, how long can you go? How many minutes can you get into this movie <laughs> before you turn it off? Right? right. I completed it. Okay. Wow. I deserve a medal or something. But like I'm saying, most people I know are bailing on it as you should as well, unless you're a complete Charlie Kaufman disciple and are also a, a complete misogynist. Misogynist? You mean masochist? Real quick, any any guess on what it's Rotten Tomatoes with the critics? Oh, I'm sure they love it. Yeah, 83. 83, great. Of course audience, they love it. audience was what, zero? No audience score because no one's finished it. <laughs> <laughs> but not when I had checked anyway. Uh, anyway, yeah. This, this thing sucks, man. It does. Sorry, it sucks. But... Also, if you stay to the end credits, okay, and you put the captions on, it's just a shot. Of, I don't I don't care if I'm ruining it for anybody. Screw all of you. Right? <laughs> it's your problem if you're watching this. The the last shot is a snow covered truck. Right. And they run the credits, but then the engine starts running a little bit. And the captions go, engine runs. Huh? What? The movie's over. What is what is the point? What is some sort of weird I don't know. I don't know. I don't know and I don't care and I'm done with this movie. There was one major difference between how the book ended and this movie ended that I was interesting. But again, I had to hunt on the internet to find out what it was. And I was like, wow, that's, that's what is it? I don't care. So in the book, the guy commits suicide using a wire hanger. Okay. But stabbing himself like in the eye with a wire hanger. And I thought, is that, is that, that's, that's what we do. That's what the audience does. That's what we've been doing for two hours and 14 minutes. So I guess he had it coming anyway. I'm thinking of Ending Things, a Netflix original movie written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. I wish he would have ended this definite purge. Big time. All right. Whew. Let's move on, Joe, to anything else. Man, uh, we were kind of all over the place today. We were. But before we go, I want to talk about something that's back. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I'll be outside. Go ahead. And I know, I know, I know. What was my favorite show last year, Joe? The Boys. Yes! On Amazon Prime. Yes, now it's back for season two. I couldn't be more psyched. I have watched the first four episodes, and I can tell you wholeheartedly, it is a major disappointment. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. And I seem to be in the minority on this. You go online, and like the critics are like, you know, it's a 98%, and even go on Twitter, and like, no, everyone's, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Those people are apologists. And I'm going to say this right now. As much as I absolutely positively love the first season, I can absolutely positively have the right to be disappointed in the second season. I, yeah, I don't have to yeah. be a sycophant and go everything about it is great because this is a sloppy mess. You reserve the right to change your mind between seasons. And I it's think. hugely upsetting for me. I was super psyched for this. Super psyched. Yeah. The only thing I'm still enjoying is the Homelander character. Anthony Starr still giving a great performance. There are some good moments in it. It's not terrible. But if you think this is anything like season one, forget it. It just doesn't have the fun. It's taking itself too seriously, I think. And I just want it over. Yeah. And also, for some reason, they paid Billy Joel millions of dollars to use every one of his songs. Now, that's money well spent. I love Billy Joel. If you love Billy Joel, <laughs> season two is for you, I guess. I guess so. I mean, I've already heard three songs by him, right? I'm like, what? Are, and like, I'm like, okay, they're done with the Billy Joel thing. Then episode four, here's another Billy Joel song. What is going on with the Billy Joel? 
All right. Maybe they bought the whole catalog. I don't know. I don't know. All I have to say is it's not a full review because I haven't watched the whole season. Maybe it's going to get better. But so far, The Boys Season 2 is a soul-crushing disappointment for me. Like, it's week to week, and I was looking forward to the week to week. Like, oh, that'll keep me engaged in it. And now I'm like, I wish it was, you know, all out at once so I could binge it in a weekend and be done with it. Because I'll tell you right now, I want to know if it's going to get better, you know? I want to be done with it. That's all I'm saying. Right, because you didn't say that. They put out three episodes, and now it's once a week, right? Yes. Yeah. They come out every Friday. So I, I did the first three in one day, waited for the Friday to come, watched that, episode four. It's got some creepy stuff in it. Like I said, Homelander, still a good character, but it's just not engaging, man. It's not compelling like the first season was for me. Yeah. That's it. Now, you know that I watched the first season. Yeah. And I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. I was hoping maybe the second season it would really pick up its steam and I would really get into it too. I watched the first like two. Whatever you say, man, um, I'm probably not going to watch a whole lot more of it either. So Yeah, well, that's it. It's, this is not a legit review. It's an early little little uh, critique, as they say. A little crumb. A little crumb. <laughs> a crumb of frustration. Frustration, that's the tone of these Last reviews, man. I'm just frustrated with this stuff, man. Give me something. All right. Well, well, you know who gave us something? Who? Dior Scott. Oh, yeah, man. Okay, so we started out real good this episode. We did. We did. Absolutely. Last Chance You, streaming on Netflix. Fantastic interview from Dior Scott. We can't thank him enough. Please check out Last Chance You if you want to see some real, real life drama. Yeah, we definitely recommended that as a binge. Then uh, we talked about Class Action Park on HBO Max. We said that was a purge. We talked about I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix. We said that was a purge. Mega purge. And then Demo hinted that uh, he didn't really like The Boys on Amazon. So if this is your first time listening, we usually recommend stuff. Uh, Today's a little bit different. But uh, we're trying to save you time either way. Right. And don't hate on me if you're a Boys fan and think, what does this guy know? I'm telling you right now, I don't know anything. I've always said nobody loves the boys more than you, so this is surprising to hear that you're not. (laughs) I know. I'm disappointed in myself. I truly am. All right, let's get out of here, man. Yes, please. Where can everyone find us? How can they reach us? The whole enchilada. Give it to me. Binge or Purge podcast at gmail.com. Twitter at Binge or Purge. Instagram at Binge or Purge podcast. Facebook slash Binge or Purge. Uh, Call us. Come by our house. Uh, Otherwise, you can hear us on iTunes. Uh, Spotify, iHeart, just about everywhere. Google, Google Play. And, of course, YouTube YouTube, now. Don't yes. worry, there's no video. Right, you won't have to see our ugly mugs, we promise. No, we'll put cute cat videos up or something, maybe underneath the audio. Sure, Let's why try not? It. Yeah, maybe. It's a good idea. Okay. As always, we want to thank Just the Facts. You can follow Just the Facts on Instagram at the Jesse Greer. That's Jesse with a Y. For Joe Taylor, my name is Demo. This has been Binger Purge Streaming Reviews. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next time.